Money Pit is presented by Wagner Sprayers, the Angie App, and RoofMax. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. So glad to be here with you on this beautiful weekend. We hope it's nice where you are and you are enjoying taking on projects around your house. If you're not, if you're frustrated, if you're stuck, well, heck, we can help. Give us a call right now with those questions at one Money Pit. 888-666-3974 or post your questions at moneypit.com. We've got a fun show planned for you today, starting with, can you imagine this? You see a dark spot on the walls of your home and then that spot begins to move. If you do, it's probably a centipede or as they are more commonly known than very gross thousand leggers. We're going to share how to make your home a less welcome space for these fast and very freaky predators. And if your garden is looking like it's had too much sun, one of the best ways to make sure that your plants are thriving is with micro-irrigation. We're going to share how this system of tiny sprayers gets water right where you need it. And if you do a lot of painting but you have yet to try out a paint sprayer, well, we can tell you this, you're working too hard. We're going to share a new technology that makes quick work of big projects. Well, whatever it is you are working on, guys, it is almost the end of summer. I know it's early August, but I'm just, you know, thinking to the fall, and I know that we're getting busy with things around the house, and maybe the kids are gearing up to go back to school. So you've got some projects you want to tackle. Let us help you get all of those done. So give us a call anytime. We're standing by to lend a hand. Give us a call at one eight 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 Money Pit or go to moneypit.com slash ask for the quickest possible response. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Heading out to Texas, we've got Leroy on the line. What's going on at your money pit? All the AC vents in the house work just fine. We're blowing out, you know, cold, you know, fast air, except for our one back bedroom, which is our smallest room. Right. Barely any air blows out of it. And uh, I don't know what might be going on with the ducting up there or, you know, like I said, barely any air blows out there. And that, you know, smallest room should be getting the coldest, but it's actually getting the hottest. Is that the farthest room away from where the, the air conditioner is located? No, it's probably the second closest. Really? Huh. If that's the case, there's no reason you should be getting such a reduced airflow. You definitely, to me, it sounds like you have a kink in there somewhere. There's a blockage for some for some reason. Is there any way that you could get the register off? And sometimes with a flashlight and a mirror, you can look down the whole line of the duct and see if there's anything obvious that's blocking it. I can't imagine what it is, but if it got kinked maybe when it was first put in, who knows? It could have been like this since day one. Um, that would definitely cause this problem. If it's the second closest to the air conditioner, you should not be having restricted airflow. Right, and that's that's what I was kind of thinking, but I figured I'd ask somebody that knows a little bit more about the stuff than I do. The other thing is where it comes off the air conditioning, you want to try to um, follow the ducts at that point because sometimes there's dampers where you can control flow, and there's a, there's a small chance, I will say, not a big chance, a small chance, that you could have a damper on that line that's partially shut. Sometimes they put dampers on lines so that they can adjust the, the amount of air going to different parts of the house. If you see the damper, it's going to be inside the ducts. You won't see the actual damper, but you'll see the axle on which the damper operates, and the axle is going to have a flat on the end of it. And if the flat is perpendicular to the duct, it's closed. And if it's parallel to the duct, then it's fully open. So look for that. And it'll have a little handle on it, uh, usually with a little hand-tightened nut on there, too, to stop it from breaking loose. So take a look for that as well. 
And if it turns out that you can't find it, sometimes it's easier to run a new duct than it is to try to fix the one that's there. So that's another option. Right. No, I understand. Right. Yeah, no, I'm going to have to go give those an option. Those options a try. Good luck, Leroy. Thank you. Y'all have a good day. All right, now we've got Michelle in Iowa on the line who's looking to spend some more time outdoors with a fire pit. How can we help with that project? Well, we started making an outside fire pit with um, field stone, and our mortar that we seem to be using, it just seems like it's awful dry, and it, it's like it's cracking. So didn't know if you had a, a different brand that you thought would work or any suggestions. Uh, well, one tip is that if it's a really warm, dry day when you're working, you might want to consider putting some plastic over the areas that you're working on to slow the evaporation rate. Because if it dries really quickly, sometimes it can shrink and crack. And no certain brand of mortar you think would work best, just what the stores recommend for outside fireplaces? Well, I mean, Quickcrete works extremely well. So you could look to the Quickcrete brand. And one of the advantages of Quickcrete is they've also got lots and lots and lots of videos online that give you the step-by-step on how to properly mix the product, for example, in this case. Okay. Thank you. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Hey, you want to make our day? Well, go ahead and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll be jumping for joy. Plus, you guys, your feedback helps us make the show even better for you. Just go to moneypit.com slash review. Lauren in Florida is on the line with a lead paint question. How can we help you today? Hi. uh, My husband and I are remodeling a 1907 home that's been vacant for multiple years. There's lots of damage. Um, A lot of the paint's chipping off the windows. Um, There's... Uh, on the B-board and wainscoting, a lot of the paint's chipping off, and um, someone has gone in and put, like, sheet rot mud to texture over the uh, original plaster walls, so some of that's chipping off. And we've got three young children, so we need to repaint this house and fix it, and we're really concerned about the lead paint issue. Yeah, understandably so. And, I mean, your house is in the time frame where you do need to be concerned about lead paint. Now, we had an issue when we put central air conditioning in the house when my son was six months old. Um, You know, when he was little, I didn't think that, you know, any concern. And they did a great job. They were very tidy. They contained all the dust. But something must have gotten on something. And when we had gone for his next exam, he had elevated lead levels, you know, probably from some dust getting on a toy and then the toy going in his mouth, anything. Anyway, it turned out, you know, after we did the next blood work, his levels went back to normal. So we were really not concerned at that point. But it is a very scary issue. Now, I'm not sure nationwide what the rules are, and maybe Tom can speak better on this, but in New York, when you are fairly certain that you've got lead paint or the time frame sort of dates it that way, you have to work with a painter or a contractor who's certified in sort of lead paint containment, if you will, because even if you have it on a window frame and you're opening and closing that window, you're creating little specks of lead dust that are getting into the air, and with small children, you do need to be concerned. So you do need to make sure that if you can, that this is done by a pro. I mean, there's nothing that regulates when a homeowner does it themselves. But knowing that you probably have lead paint and the small children in the home, I would just have a pro do it. And you want to make sure that things are taped off and really sealed up and cleaned very thoroughly. I mean, there are specific rules I know in New York State that allow for a contractor to be certified. And that's something you really want to look for. 
Yeah, and especially because the paint is flaking in deteriorated condition right now. I mean, that's the highest risk for this, Lauren. So you're wise to proceed very cautiously and make sure that the contractor that you're working with um, is certified as a lead professional. All right. Thank you. You're welcome, Lauren. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Michael in North Carolina, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? We have a hot, hot water heater in our garage on a, like an elevated plateau. And we noticed the other day there was a slight leak underneath it, but it looked like it might have been coming from a uh, like a PVC-type tube coming from the top of our water heater. That's the length of the water heater is the tube. And we've never seen water under that area before, and we now notice some of that. So I wasn't sure why if it was a sweating situation or well, if, well, some type of relief valve, maybe, or something like that, but uh, I'm not sure why water would have been there. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a temperature and pressure relief valve. It's mounted on the side of the water heater. It's designed to open up if the water heater develops too much pressure as a safety mechanism. However, uh, it, they frequently wear and leak. So I'm going to tell you what you can try to do, but I'm also going to warn you. Uh, there's a lever on the side of that, and sometimes you get a little bit of a debris that's stuck inside that, that uh, temperature and pressure valve, and you pull the lever, it'll shoot some water out that tube. You want to make sure you have a bucket under it. Just two or three times, it'll kind of blast some hot water out of there. However, the warning is that sometimes... Once you do that, the valve never sits back properly, and it ends up leaking worse. Um, so it's possible you could make it worse by doing this, but that's worth trying. Uh, if you just want to leave a bucket under it, monitor it for a little while. How old is this water heater? Uh, about 1990, 1998. Oh, oh, well, you know what? You're due for a new one. So 1998, I, I wouldn't wait too much longer before I replace that because, uh, let's face it, it's about, what, 15 years old now? And so, you know, a water heater that gets past 10 is, you know, well uh, on its way to uh, needing to the end of its, of its useful life. So I would, you know, you could monitor it, stick a bucket under there, keep an eye on it. But I think it's uh, it's about time to think about replacing. It's not an emergency replacement, so you've got some time to shop around. One of the problems with water heaters is once they do leak, they usually have to be done immediately and people get taken advantage of because they need it today. But you're not in that situation, Michael, so you could take some time and shop around and, and, and find the one, the contractor that you want. But uh, 15-year-old water heater, you might want to think about replacing it. All right, sir. I appreciate that very much. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
Well, imagine seeing a dark spot on the wall of your home, and then that spot begins to move. Well, it's probably a centipede, and while those bugs have many beneficial qualities, they are one pretty fast and freaky-looking bug to have to live with. Now, centipedes are usually referred to as thousand-leggers, but they actually only have between 30 and 354, which is still quite a lot of legs. I mean, that really is. They also have long antennae, they have powerful jaws, and they use those jaws to devour their prey, which are other bugs you don't want in the house. Now, while centipedes can look pretty scary, they're not harmful to humans, pets, or the environment. They don't spread disease. They don't have noxious odors. In fact, they do have some beneficial qualities that you just mentioned, Leslie, because they eat other harmful pests that may appear in the home. And in fact, if you have a heavy infestation of house centipedes, you can bet they are there for a reason. So look closely and you are likely to find out what other insects they are feeding on. All right. So now that we've totally grossed you out, here's how you can stop the infestations of those creepy crawly invaders from taking up residence at your house. So if you've got damp spaces, dry them out because they love those damp spaces. It's like a welcome mat for those centipedes and a host of other moisture-loving bugs like termites, cockroaches, even ants. And if you've got gaps and cracks, seal those up because the centipedes can get in. So you don't want that. You want to look around for cracks, crevices, holes in the foundation. Sealing up those voids is the first thing that needs to be done to keep those house centipedes away. And you can use an all-weather caulk for this job. Now, if you'd like to get rid of them, another thing that you could do is to apply a spray foam insecticide. Now, spray foam insecticides come with sort of like a straw-like applicator, and they can be very helpful to get into those small outside spaces and seal up the holes and not allow the household pests to actually enter your house in the first place. And one other product that is most commonly used to kill house centipedes is simply an insecticidal dust. Just be sure to follow the directions of the manufacturer about application, usage, and safety for humans and pets. And if you've tried, but you're still seeing those thousand leggers, you may need to call in a professional pest control service for the job. You're going to pay more, of course, but most pest control companies guarantee their work. And the pesticides they use are very targeted to the very specific insect they're treating and very, very effective. Yeah, no matter what you call them, house centipedes, 100 leggers, I don't know, 808 leg animals, whatever you call them. These bugs can definitely cause plenty of frightening encounters in the home. But the good news is they won't cause you or the home any harm. You want to follow some tips, you'll get peace of mind, and then you can eliminate all of the pests at home. For more, check out our post, How to Get Rid of Thousand Leggers Without Getting Totally Grossed Out, on the moneypit.com site. All right, now we've got Diane in Illinois who needs some extra storage space at her money pit. How can we help you today? Well, I have a deck off of our master bedroom, and it's a 12 by 12 deck, and I want to turn it into a walk-in closet, and I want to bring my washer and dryer from the basement upstairs and put it into that closet. Well, this sounds like a good project, Diane, but I have to tell you that generally when people try to convert a deck into a finished room. I've seen it done many, many times, especially in the 20 years I spent as a professional home inspector. It just doesn't work for a lot of reasons. Now, I, I can understand that you want it to you know, flow nicely into the house and all of that, but you're really talking about an addition here. And if you're going to build an addition, you typically are going to build it different than a deck. What I would recommend is that even though this is a small project, it's a complicated project because not only do you want a closet, you also want laundry there. I think this is a great opportunity for you to consult with an architect because 
you have a lot to do to get this done correctly, and you also don't want to make it look like it's sort of slapped on the outside of your house because it's going to detract from your home value. But every single time I've seen somebody try to take a deck and convert it into leading, living space, it's never worked out too well. It might be that you can preserve some of the framing and maybe incorporate it in there, but it's going to now be living space. It's going to have to be heated. It's going to have to be cooled. It's going to have to have wiring. It's going to have to have plumbing. You know, it's a it's an addition. It's no longer going to be in a deck. So while that space might fit well for it, you know, starting with the existing deck doesn't always make the most sense. Okay. Okay. So what would we would have to just tear that deck down and start over, or you may, but that's why I say let's not speculate on this and let's not make a wrong step. This is a type of project where you are well um, advised to hire an architect. It's not going to be an expensive uh, consulting fee because it's a small project. But it's really smart to do that in this situation because you'll find out what you can save and what you have to tear down. You won't make a costly mistake. Okay. I didn't want anything falling off the house and tearing a roof apart, and I didn't want to have to do all of that. So I appreciate your advice. Thank you, Diane. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Now we've got Damien in Iowa on the line who's got a mystery noise in the bathroom. Tell us about it. I bought a new house beginning of April. It's my second house I've owned. And in my master bedroom, in the closet, master closet, in the master bath, it's just some weird, like, clicking, ticking noises in the walls. Does that happen when you run water, Damien? That does, but that's mainly, I think, my plumbing's in the flooring. And I don't think this is a plumbing issue. So if it happens consistent with, you know, run the water, turn the water on, off, it's almost always the pipes expanding and contracting. If the pipes are rubbing against the wall, as it expands or contracts, it will make that clicking sound, and then that clicking sound will resonate. So it could be originating in the floor, and you might hear it in the wall and so on. Sometimes it sounds like a drip. Sometimes it sounds like a click. 
But uh, in a bathroom area, that's the almost exclusively the reason that that sound occurs. Here's my thing. It happens in the closet, and it happens like for hours at a time when the plumbing's not even being used. Okay. Well, it still could be expansion and contraction. Could it be because um, um, I'm kind of facing the west side, and it happens in the afternoon. Do you think um, the sun has anything to do with it? Um, stuff heating up in the walls, or it may very well because when you're heating when you're heating things up, that you're going to get expansion. Okay. Yeah, I'm just not used to it. I used to own a brick house, and this one's steel siding. So I never used to hear those kind of sounds. Oh, well, see, yeah, the expansion, the contraction of the siding is very noisy, too. Oh, that, could that be it, then? Yeah, it could be, absolutely. I've gotten to the point where I almost want to take a hammer to my drywall and see what's going on in there. Yeah, I think you'd be chasing it for a long time and probably never exactly find the point. But it, it's pretty typical, and I wouldn't worry about it. Okay, Damien? All right, thank you so much. Appreciate it, guys. Michelle in Minnesota's on the line with a bathroom floor thing is all i can call it what is going on you're getting moisture coming up through the floor yes it's a laminate floor this is my third summer in this house and it's the first time that i've had this issue and it was started around the warm and humid days um at first i thought maybe that it was my toilet leaking because i had a new toilet put in last summer um, but the plumber did come out and pull the toilet, and it didn't look like it was leaking or that the seal was broken on it. So we're thinking that it's condensation from the concrete slab coming up between the the slats of the laminate flooring. So the laminate flooring is on top of a concrete slab. Correct. Yep. What's this looking? What's this doing to the floor? Is it causing it to deform in any way, or is it just showing up as a stain? It is not. Um, it is not buckling or anything along the edges. It's. Okay. He thinks that maybe it's a rubber flooring, more of a rubber-based flooring, rather than a wood. Um, and so it has not um, curled the edges or anything like that. It just seeps up as moisture, and it comes mm-hmm. like um, beads up right along the edges of the the laminate. Do you have air conditioning in this bathroom? I do not. Uh-uh. Nope. Yeah, I was thinking cooler, moist air against a warmer floor could cause additional condensation. So, look, if you want to reduce the moisture that's coming up through the bathroom, there's a couple of things I can suggest. Um, first of all, you want to take a look at the grading and the drainage conditions outside that bathroom because the slab, if it's getting very wet, is extremely hydroscopic. So all the moisture in the earth will be drawn into the slab, and that's going to wick up and show up in your bathroom, apparently. So take a look at your gutters and downspouts. Make sure they're clean and free-flowing and the, and the spouts are extending four to six feet from the house. Get all that roof water away. And then take a look at the angle of the soil and make sure that that's sloping away. Now, do you have a, a fan in this bathroom? Yes. That is helpful. Um, you might want to think about replacing the fan with one that's that has a built-in humidistat because... That's convenient on a couple of fronts. First of all, when you take a shower and you and you leave the bathroom, turn the switch off, it'll actually stay on until all the moisture is properly vented out of there. And if it does get humid on its own, then the humidistat will kick kick the fan on and also dry it out. They're not terribly expensive. I know Brone makes a good one. There are a number of manufacturers you can find this from. And keep an eye on the floor. Some laminate floors, you know, stand up very well to moisture. I've seen laminate floors that are going to be submerged, and they, they don't seem to be affected by it. But others will buckle just like hardwood would. So just keep an eye on it. And if it ends up that it does have to be replaced, I would paint that cement slab underneath with a couple of coats of epoxy paint to kind of seal in and st- stop the um, the moisture from 
evaporating through it into the room. Mm-hmm. Okay. But only if you only if you get that far. I mean, I wouldn't tell you to tear up the floor now, but if you have to replace it, just make sure you seal the slab at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. That that's good. Good. Thanks. All right. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Well, micro-irrigation is a system of drip tubing and tiny sprayers, and it's a great way for you to get water right where you need it for specific plants and areas of your yard. Now, unlike a lawn irrigation system, installing drip irrigation is not as complicated. You don't need a sophisticated irrigation network to supply the micro-irrigation. A spigot for a hose is going to do the trick. It's perfect for flower beds and shrubs because what it does is it delivers the water right where you need it under low pressure. Now, most micro-irrigation systems consist of drip tubing. It's either a quarter-inch or half-inch hose fitted with tiny plastic nubs that are called emitters. The emitters allow water to drip out at a regulated pace without clogging. Now, the tubing is going to snake around and among plants and trees to get the water into the soil at the roots. There's also a lot of accessories. You can have sprayers for ground cover, foggers for hanging containers, and single emitters for reaching plants that are sort of off the grid, which allow you to customize a system that's perfect for your situation. To get started, it's best to draw a plan of your garden and then map out a configuration of the tubing and the accessories you'll need for your project. Now, the actual plumbing connection is really simple, too. It doesn't have to be permanently installed. Instead, the system connects to an outdoor faucet, You first screw the vacuum breaker to the pressure regulator to prevent contaminated hose water from backwashing into the house's supply lines. And then you attach the filter to the pressure regulator and connect the hose to that filter. And once the tubing's installed, you cover it with about two inches of mulch to keep that water from evaporating before it reaches the plant's roots. And you'll give your garden a nice manicured appearance. Chris and George is on the line with an electrical question. What's going on? Uh, Yes, ma'am. I've got a question with... uh, um electrical issue in our in our bedroom. We bought this house and uh trying to find out some answer to why the like the bottom plug of a duplex receptacle would work, but if you plug into the top part of the outlet, it won't work. There's no power. Is there any possibility that the top outlet is on a switch? Uh, I could be. Okay. I've seen that you don't see it very often, but I have seen it where uh, what looks like a normal outlet is actually split, and the top one is wired to a switch, and the bottom one isn't. Oh, okay. So theoretically, you would have your light on that top one. Now, if that's not the case, then obviously something's wrong with the outlet, and I would just replace the outlet. It shouldn't be a big deal. Awesome. I, I, I appreciate the, the advice. All right, Chris. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Very good. Thank you. Deborah in Pennsylvania, you've got the money pit. What can we do for you today? Okay, I'm purchasing a home that has a couple of stains on the ceiling. And it turns out the stains are located directly under the vents. I don't know any other way to explain it, but they're like there's tubes on the seat on the outside where the roof is. So I was told by the inspection um, that those rubber stopper things that go around them need to be replaced. Okay, yeah. So the plumbing vent flashing is what is leaking here. And the plumbing vent flashing consists of an aluminum piece of flash material that goes underneath the roof shingles and a rubber boot that is designed to uh, fit over the plumbing pipe. And they very often, that rubber boot will very often uh, crack and deteriorate and does have to be replaced. Not a terribly complicated job. You know, a roofer or a carpenter can do it in about 10 or 15 minutes. They just basically have to peel up a roof shingle or two right around there. You can 
do that with a flat bar. You can actually uh, lift, put the flat bar under the roof uh, shingle, get it right up to where the nail is and kind of wiggle it back and forth. That nail will come right out. You can kind of disassemble the roof one shingle at a time, replace the flashing vent, and put it back together. So pretty easy, straightforward uh, repair project and uh, not the least bit unusual, Deborah. Okay? Okay. Well, I appreciate your taking my call. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Good luck, Deborah. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Well, if you do a lot of painting but you have yet to try out a paint sprayer, well, you are working too hard. The new Wagner high-efficiency airless paint sprayers can deliver more paint without waste and result in a far better finish than you can achieve with other methods. For example, the Titan Control Max 1700 high-efficiency airless paint sprayer is really good for handymen, general contractors, and experienced homeowners who are tackling large painting projects. Now, the high-efficiency airless technology in these sprayers produces 55% less overspray and goes on three times faster than a roller. Plus, it pulls paint directly out of a one-gallon or a five-gallon paint container, and it has a 30-foot hose, so it makes it super easy to get around. And when you're done painting, you can store the tips, the tools, everything right in the integrated storage, which I love, so I'm never losing things. The Titan Control Max 1700 High Efficiency Airless Paint Sprayer by Wagner is available at Lowe's Home Improvement and retails for 379 bucks. Bob in South Dakota is dealing with a drywall issue. What's going on at your house? Uh, we have a 1990s home, and um, we had sheetrock nails that were put in that began popping uh, mainly toward the ceiling area and corners, inside corners especially. And we had a contractor uh, do redo some. We redid some ourselves. Uh, one of the things they did and we did is we just drove the nails in and covered them and put a screw maybe two to three inches from it, but the nails reappeared after we did it. What's the answer? Well, it, it would... It would if if he just drove it back in and didn't put a second nail that overlaps it. Well, and then it's in the same hole, so it's given the same movement area. Now, what Tom mentioned with the second nail is, you're right, putting a screw in, a screw is a great way to do that. But if you're putting the screw in, I would have taken out the nail instead of giving it the space to come back out. But what you can do if you see the nail to start backing its way out, you can take a second nail and overlap it so that, you know, the two heads would overlap. So when you drive in the second nail, it pushes that first nail back down with it and will keep it in its place because the new nail is in fresh wood, so it'll stay there. And then you go ahead and, you know, cover over it and sand it and spackle it, everything, make it nice and smooth to prime and paint. But a screw really is the best way because those won't back themselves out. What do you think, in your professional opinion, I've listened to your show a lot, and uh, just as a plug for you guys, thanks a lot for all the helpful hints. But what do you think has caused those screws to pop like that, or nails, I should say? Normal expansion and contraction. You know, the, the, the nails that are used to attach drywall have a glue coating on them. They're like a rosin coating. And when you drive the nail in, it's supposed to kind of stick on the wall, but it doesn't. And as as uh, the walls expand and contract, they very often will back out. It's really typical. It would be unusual, for it, frankly, to not happen. But the key is that when it does happen, if you just drive it back in, it's going to happen all over again. But if you were to overlap the 
the old nail head with the new nail head so that you're now creating sort of a second nail and a second nail hole that's holding it in place. That's effective. Or you pull out the drywall uh, nail altogether and replace it with a drywall screw and it will never pull out. The fact that you put the screw two or three inches from uh, from the old one uh, you know, will help keep that board tight, but it's not going to stop the drywall nail from expanding, contracting, and pushing itself back out as you've learned. You just you really need to sort of reinforce it by overlapping the heads with a new nail. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. And I think um, from what I've seen, if we pull the old nail and put a screw in a ways away, I think that's the best solution because then we don't have any possibility of, of anything happening there again and um, doing away with a situation completely. Trial and error is the best, right? Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Uh, thank you for the great show. All right. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Nicole from Bay City, Michigan, wrote into Team Money Pit, and she's having a hard time caulking her bathroom shower. She says, every time I caulk the shower, I let it dry for a few days before I use it. But after a week, that caulk looks like it's cracking and falling out all over again. I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong. Well, I'm not either, Nicole. So let's sort of wind this back to the beginning and make sure that we have a good, clean base for you to caulk from. And so the first thing I want you to do is to remove all the old caulk that's in there. Now, there's a handy product called a caulk softener that you can apply, and it's sort of like a paint remover for caulk. It softens the caulk and allows you to kind of scrape it out and get absolutely as much of that old stuff out of there as you can. Try not to damage the shower or the tile or whatever the surround is, but definitely get it out of there. Now, after you're done with that, I want you to scrub it with a brush and then rinse it and spray it with a bleach solution. By bleach solution, I mean like let's just say uh, 25% bleach solution or maybe a little stronger and let it dry. Then you can rinse it again. The bleach is going to be there to kill any mold that gets left behind. So after you've rinsed it, after you bleach it and rinsed it again and it's really dry, then you could proceed to caulk it again. But this time I want you to use silicone caulk. It has the best binding power of all the caulks that are out there. Harder to work with because you can't really smooth it out with your favorite trowel or my favorite trowel, which is your finger. <laughs> but there is a way you can do that. And and that is if you use some soapy water, if you spray some soapy water or dip your hand in some soapy water like dish soap, maybe a little dish soapy water in a spray bottle, spray your finger with that, then it will slide on top of the silicone caulk. And in this way, you can get a nice even bead all the way around. Once that's done, let it dry, and you should be good to go. I can't imagine if you follow all those steps that it will come out again. I think you're just having a problem because whatever's underneath is not binding to the new caulk. All right, next up, Parker from Chicago says, I'm buying a new house and curious about window replacement. The home was built in 1985, and several windows look like they have moisture coming through, and I'm wondering if I should plan on replacing them. So when you say they look like they have moisture coming through, I'm going to guess that you're talking about fogging in the window, condensation in between the window panes. Because when we made windows in 1985, and we still do this very similarly today, but maybe with slightly different materials, we put an, an insulator gas in between two panes of glass. And the insulator gas is usually argon or something similar to that, and helps make the window more energy efficient in the winter and in the summer. But as the seals fail, and the seals have a funny name, they're called swiggle. When the swiggle leaks, then you get condensation between those panes of glass, and that's what makes them look like they're leaking, as you say. The thing is, it's not really going to affect the energy efficiency a tremendous a lot. So just because the window's fogged, unless it's really bugging you, I don't think you have to replace the windows. So I put this in sort of the nice-to-have category, not the have-to-have. And if you are going to replace the windows, I would suggest that you start on the south side if you're concerned about 
bills for electricity in the summer and air conditioning, or the north side, if you're more concerned, being in Chicago about the bills in the winter. You don't have to do all sides at once. You can parse this out over a couple of years for sure. You know, Parker, we get so many calls about this sort of swiggle failure issue where you see the condensation in between. And I mean, truly, as long as the window is functioning okay, it's just cosmetic. It's not something to worry about, but it is so common. Everybody deals with it. So tackle it as you will. And you know what? Good luck in the house. I'm glad you got a new home and hopefully it all works out for you and you're enjoying your place. This is the Money Bit Home Improvement Show. Hey, we really appreciate you guys sticking with us for today's program. We hope you picked up a tip or two to help you take on projects around your house. Remember, if you've got questions, you can always reach out to us at moneypit.com slash ask. But for now, that's all the time we have. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.